Hey friend, welcome back to Here Comes a Dreamer podcast. We are your hosts Hannah and Neepa and we are so excited that you decided to join us today. We believe with all our hearts that God has a unique dream for your life and we are passionate to see you step into it. In this podcast, you're going to hear stories of dreamers who had the faith and courage to hope in the midst of hopelessness. So let's jump right into our episode. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5. On today's episode, we are joined by our very good friend Tejas. Tejas was here last season and on today's episode, she's going to share her story with us. Tejas has a very beautiful story. It's just filled with so much of the goodness of God and just the faithfulness of God. So, yeah, we're so excited to have you here with us Tejas. Welcome back to Here Comes the Dreamer podcast. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm so glad to be back. We're so glad to have you, Pages. We know that um, your story is going to be such a blessing to all those who listen. And uh, just before we start, though, I just wanted to ask you, what is your favorite verse? And maybe tell us a little bit why that's your favorite verse or like just dive into your story from there. Um, yeah. One of my favorite verses, Neva, is Psalm 145, verse 14. The Lord upholds all who falls and lifts up all who are bowed down. This is one of my favorite verses because it kind of ties in with my story. Uh, so I'll just start off with my story. When I was born, this is what I've heard, that uh, I w- when I was born, all my intestines were out. And um, my dad sees this, like, uh, when he saw me, he got really scared because he is not like a normal form of a baby, like, all put together. Basically, I was, like, completely out. All my intestines were out. So, uh, and immediately I was taken into the NICU and I was uh, put back together. Um, I was put back together and I was fine. When I was two years old again, I think they started detecting that I had some heart issues. So um, they took me to the hospital and as they started taking, uh, checking up on me, uh, my mom said that they started detecting that I had a lot of complications in my valve and in my heart. And I was uh, immediately taken into surgery. And after the surgery, I was kept put in the NICU and the doctor told that my, the chances of my heart beating again uh, were were very less and he said I would yeah, have like 10 days and I and my mom tells me that at that time there was an army of people who were praying over me and especially my mom she tells us one line she always keeps telling me that she would speak uh the same line she would speak this one line like the same God who rose Jairus daughter from death can breathe the life uh the resurrection life on my on my daughter and she's going to breathe again and it was such a miracle that everyone was actually shocked that I actually started breathing again. I actually started, I, I came back to life. Basically, I came back to life. And uh, they were completely shocked. But even though I was healed at that time, I still did have defects in my heart. I still had defects in my heart. And growing up um, later on, I mean, I think I was five or six years old. I'm not sure of the time frame because I don't, this one was quite young. But I remember they found out that I have a back issue. It's called scoliosis, where basically uh, I have a huge curve in my very spinal cord is curved. So many people have scoliosis, but my curve was in such a way that uh, the curvature kind of hindered my uh, lung capacity. So on top of having this defect in my heart, this uh, curvature or this curve also kind of uh, kind of hindered my breathing capacity. So much so it affected my valves and my lungs. So growing up, basically I was in and out of hospitals all the time. And 
I have, I have three other siblings. So growing up, I never understood why I had all these illness. It wasn't just I was going to the hospital just for like my heart or my lungs. It was for my back, it was for my heart, it was for my lungs. And as if that, that wasn't enough, I would go for my eyes also. I was always in and out of hospital all the time. And I remember always wondering, like, why was it me? Did you make a mistake with me, God? And I was brought up in a household that loved the Lord. Like, my mom and my dad, they loved the Lord very much. Um, and they were always still tell me, they just, God can heal. God can always heal. And even though I believe that God can heal, I always wondered in my heart why God created me this way. Because when I looked at my siblings, they all three of them were completely healthy. And I know, like, I was like the ugly duckling. Like, I never understood why was it, why did you create me like this? God, that was always a question in my heart. Like, why did you create me like this? Did you make a mistake? And I would seek the God who was a healer because I, I, like I said, I was born in a household that loved the Lord. So I saw the healings. I knew that God could heal. I would see so many healing services. And I would want to, and I would ask God, God, could you just heal me? I just want to be like everyone. All I wanted to be growing up was just to be like everyone else. That's all I wanted to become, uh, just to be healthy like everyone else. Um, I had my limitations on so many things. So even the, like the deformity in the back, when, when I looked in the mirror, I, I always saw that I had this deformity and I, was in, I didn't look like my sisters. Or if I walked a bit, I would get tired. So you see, I had to take a break uh, with everything that I did. So I understood that I was very, I was the odd one out basically. Um, and I would always wonder, I would always pray and ask God to heal me. But I never saw the provision to those prayers. Uh, I remember there was this one time uh, when I was much older, uh, when I went for one of the checkups with my mom. And this was a checkup where uh, basically the doctor was, had a meeting with many other doctors. And they were um, talking, they were uh, basically going to have an idea of what to do with me. Should I proceed the surgery for my back? There was, it was basically had a meeting about me. And I think my mom and were quite like, because it was a big meeting, they, she had a lot of hope in her heart, hoping finally that there would be an answer to all these questions. And um, as, as when we went to the hospital, the doctor said that uh, like, we can't do anything, like she's too thin. Um, if we do surgery, we're not sure if she'll wake up again. So it's better to let her be as she is right now. Uh, when I, when my mom, when the doctor said that, I saw my mom um, actually start crying, start crying that day. And it was okay when I was the one who had all these questions in my mind. But when my mom broke down in front of the doctor and I saw the helpless, helplessness in my mom's face. I, it was not that I was now asking God to heal me. I was almost angry with God. I remember going to the bathroom that day and I asked God, why are you keeping me alive? Is this for you? Are you keeping me alive just to be a burden to my parents? Because it's one thing if I have to go through this. But why do they have, why do they have, why do they have to go through it? They love you. They, they've, they've always followed you. They've never done anything um, against you so why would you do this to them and I think that was when things started shifting in my life when I started seeing uh, God move in just in just miraculous ways like 
even though God didn't heal me, I, I think I started uh, discovering God in different capacities. Like he would show up, uh, God introduced me to, I, I started going to these prayer meetings where there were a lot of people who started speaking life over me. And I just started discovering that God is so much more than a healer. He was a God who was a comforter. He was a God who would pick me up when I was down. He was a God who would send me high upon a rock. There, there's so many, there's so many facets of God. I think I was just seeking God who was the healer. But what I started discovering as I, as I started seeking God was that he is so much more than a healer. He started showing up in so many ways for me. Um, wow, Tejas, I love uh, what you said, especially what you, you said something about God making mistakes, you know, where um, you ask God, did God make a mistake with me? And the first thing that I thought about, I'm not sure if you've heard this song, but it was the song that I think it was the first time that that something really stuck in the conviction that I wasn't a mistake really hit me was when um, I heard this song. It was It's called Mistakes by Influence Music. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it goes on to talk about it's there's this two lines. It says, um, I'll just read a few lines before that. It says, but you don't see me different. I am your reflection. You don't make mistakes and you didn't start with me, even though I'm far from where I know I'm supposed to be. Supposed to be. You don't make mistakes and heaven would agree that in your eyes are everything that I was made to be because you don't make mistakes. And I just want, I just, I think that was that line where I said, you don't make mistakes and you didn't start with me. And I, that really spoke to my heart. And I feel like they just, when you were speaking, God never, never made a mistake with you. Like if, if God is a God who never makes mistake, he didn't start with you. You are not, if, if ever God made a mistake and you think you're the mistake, that would be God's first mistake, but he never, ever made a mistake and you are not his first and he will never make a mistake in any of our lives. And I just wanted to speak that over whoever is listening, that you are not a mistake. You are not an accident and that the way you're supposed to be and the day you were born, the day, the days ordained for you, none of them were accident, none of them were a mistake. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I just felt like uh, sharing that. Yeah, Neva, I love that. Like, you're not a mistake. You know, um, one of my favorite verses, when you were asking pages, what is your favorite verse from the Bible? One of my favorite verses is, for in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. And Tejas, one of the things uh, that you've, I think you've told me this before, I'm not sure if you said it today, is you don't have to wait until you're healed to testify about the goodness of God. Even when you're not healed, I think there is this beautiful thread of God's faithfulness that you can see. And that's exactly what I see in your story. Like I love the part where you said how uh, when you were in the hospital, you had an army of people praying for you. You had all these people there in the hospital. I mean, I love how God orchestrated that, like how all those people had to be there at a specific moment of time to be there to pray over you. And just so many parts of your story, they just, I can just see the hand of God that, you know, you're not a mistake, that God definitely has a purpose over your life. And one of the things that, uh, even as you were speaking, Neva, one of the things I remembered, um, I teach in Sunday school, I teach five-year-olds. And every time we learn the creation story, one thing I make sure I tell my children is, you know, when God created everything, he said it is good. And when he created us, when he created Adam and Eve, he looked and he said, it is good. I like I always tell this to my kids. And, you know, they, they're just they're so innocent. They're so young. They believe it. And I realized that, you know, as we grow older, 
a lot of times, you know, the things people speak over us, um, it becomes our identity when that was never the identity that God had for us. Like that was never the, uh, the intention with which God created us. He never wanted people to speak those things over us. So Tejas, just to, um, you know, ask you a little bit more in your story, like how are you navigating this place? Like you've not been healed yet. You've not received that healing yet. And you said that about how you're still testifying about the goodness of God. You spoke about how even though you've not been healed, you started to see God as not just a healer, but has so many other different ways. So can you just sort of elaborate on that a little bit more and just how are you navigating this of not being healed and still um, being able to sort of look at God as a God who is good? despite not being in that place of being healed? Uh, I can say of so many stories where God showed, showed up as a comforter, especially. Uh, one of my favorite stories, or one of the days I feel like I've marked for life, is one time when I remember, I still remember this, I was, I was in a, I don't know, I was in some shop. I looked in the mirror and I was, so I had a face where I would just hate myself. Like, I don't know how to explain it into words but there was a point in my life where it was not just like a one or two day thing but it probably was like years of me looking in the mirror and calling out everything that I hate that is starting from the top of my head to the sole of my feet I would look in the mirror and just hate on myself all day long like I, I would just spew hatred on myself and I, and I remember there was this one day I looked in the mirror I was in the shop I looked on the mirror and I was like what is this what is this what am I looking at uh, I always used to hate my body, especially in the place where I had a scar on my back, on my uh, on my chest because of the open heart surgery and the scar on my abdomen. I would hate on that all day long. I would look at the deformity in my back and I would say, like, who would love this body? Why? Like, there, there is nothing to look at this. It's such an ugly body. I would hate on myself all day long. I remember I was so tired. Basically, I reached a point where. I was completely tired of hating myself. And I remember looking in the mirror one day, and I, again, I went into this roller coaster of hatred, hating myself. And then I went back home and I sat to pray. And for some reason, I couldn't pray. And so I decided I'm going to write down everything that I hate about myself. And it was, uh, I just took my book and I started writing down. It was one and a half pages of, of just complete hatred. I would hate on myself. So I just wrote one and a half pages of things that I hate about myself. And I wrote it down and I said, okay, God, listen, I, I'm trying to pray and I cannot pray. And I've been praying for a miracle for so long, but now it's time you show up to me. You show up to me right now and tell me that you care and that you love me. And you, you're going to show me that you have a plan for me. And I kid you not, as I sat over there praying that immediately, a verse popped up on my phone. And it was Psalm 139, verses from 13 onwards. You form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment, 
you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. For God, your desires towards me are more than the grain of sand on every shore. When I am awake each morning, you're still with me. Once that verse popped up, um, I don't know how to explain the, the bad moment right now. I, I don't know if I can explain it to the words, but it was like I was drenched in love. It was like there was a blanket over me and I could so, so tangibly feel the presence of God in that room, in that room where I was breaking down. And I, 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 I feel like that's the one of the first things I felt the voice of God and, and God told me at that time, you've written one and a half pages of things that you hate about it for yourself. Now you're going to write down this verse and this is going to be the story of your life. And as I wrote that down, as I wrote each of them down, each of those verses down, I don't know how to explain. Everything that I hated about myself, it washed away. See, I wasn't healed yet, but what washed away was the, was the task that I put on myself, was the, was the names I called myself, what people called over me. And like you said, Hannah, sometimes God calls us good and beautiful and wonderful, but sometimes we believe we believe words that other people call. I was always called a singer, and I believed I was a singer the whole time. And we are called, like, sometimes you're called stupid, you're called dumb, you're called foolish, the, the not so good, the not so smart. But what God calls us good, and it, it takes, it, and sometimes it takes so hard, it's sometimes so hard for us to believe. But at that moment, when I wrote it down, it was like God wrote it down on my heart. And I've never gone back to hating myself. Because God put it on my heart that he had created me wonderfully and fearfully. And I always walk around saying that I've been wonderfully and fearfully made. Uh, I feel like this was, I selfishly feel that it's written for me. Yeah, but that is one of the stories that I can tell where God showed up as a comforter. I can go on and on about things, how, uh, of how God has shown up in amazing ways. But I feel one of the things I have to say is that sometimes when you're on this journey, what we can always understand is that even though I, we, I did not receive the healing, what if if it hadn't been for my sickness, I wouldn't have known Jesus in a deeper way. Because at that time, when I was asking God for healing, I was just seeking God for healing, and that was it. I wasn't pursuing a relationship with God. I wasn't pursuing uh, the heart of God. But but in knowing, in having the sickness and pursuing God, I've understood that God is so much more than a healer. Because today, healing or not. I love Jesus because of who he is. Healing or not, God is so good. He died for me on the cross of Calvary. And that will be the story of my life. And I always say this. If there, uh, there are always as so many times when people have seen the scars on my chest and people have asked me, and this is the story of my life. Like I said in the beginning, I always used to wonder, like, what is the story? Like, how do I, when I, when I was pondering on how do I put across a, my story, I was like, there's no ending to my story. But my story is that regardless of what, God is good and God is faithful. And my God, even if he hasn't healed me, he's still a good God. That will always be the story of my life. Amen, Tejas. Uh, amen. Amen to everything that you said. For, I was just preparing some notes uh, for coming for this podcast. And so um, just a the first thing that I wrote was this. It's a it's a quote that I heard from Bob Goff, and he said, "Some of the most beautiful chapters in our life won't have a title until later." And I feel that is the story of your life. Like 
some of the most beautiful chapters in your life will not have a title unrelated, but I feel like God is, um, I feel God has taken the things that the enemy meant for evil and he's turned it into good and we can see beauty out of it. I remember this one thing that you said before that your scars are your testimony. Can you just um, tell, tell everyone why you think your scars are your testimony and how that is um, something that you can use to testify about God? Yeah, my scars are my testimony. You know, when I was younger, when people used to ask me, like, oh, what is that on your chest? Like, what happened? I would just hide away again. I wouldn't tell the story. But over the years, I realized that my scars are my testimony. Meaning that when people see scars, it is a way for me to testify. I used to hide it away because the enemy put it in my head that it was ugly, that it was not, that I was a mistake. And these were the thoughts that the enemy put in my head. But then as I started discovering more and more of God's goodness, I started realizing that I don't need to, see, I don't need to go to somebody and start preaching the gospel. This scar is my testimony. When somebody asks me, this is a way for me to testify. And I've had many times where people, when I travel by bus, many people ask, well, what happened over there? And that's a way for me to testify. We can always turn this thing into something that glorifies God. And that is where the enemy loses and we can glorify God through it. So yes, scars are my testimony. And I feel like that is, that is the story of our, uh, that is a story that we can always uh, tell about. I love how God is using those scars as a testimony, like literally the pain. God is using that as, you know, to just turn that around for the good. Pages, um, one of the other things you said when you were sharing was about how these um, labels are placed on us. And I just want to bring that in. And I think we can just open up a little discussion here based on that. Because I think in our culture, a lot of times um, people label us based on what we're going through. Like you said, people look at you like the sick child. But that's a part of their story. It's not all of that. But what these labels does is it sort of becomes the identity for people. Uh, I heard this somewhere. When Jesus was tempted by Satan after those 40 days of fasting, what did the enemy do? He came and he started tampering with his identity. If you are the son of God, turn these rocks to bread. Like, if you are the son of God, like that is who he is. But where does he start off with? He starts with attacking your identity. Because once he attacks that, it's like he's taking you down. Because you're in this place where you're so discouraged. You don't want to, you just question everything about your life. You question your very existence when your identity is sort of tampered with. So I just want to like speak over people, you know, if you've been labeled in a certain way, if there's a label that's been placed over you, that's not who you are. That's not all your story is about. You're not just that person who's walking through something. You're much more than that. Your story has much, much more than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really love that, Hannah. Uh, one of the stories that comes to mind for me is uh, Mephibosheth's story. It's, uh, it's, I'll just quickly give the summary of it. It's 2 Samuel chapter 9, uh, 1 to 13. So Mephibosheth was a grandson of Jonathan, and he was a man who was crippled. And David was uh, looking for uh, a family of Saul where he could show kindness to. There was a there was a servant in David's palace whose name was Ziba. And uh, David was asking, who can I show kindness to? And, uh, and Ziba says, there is a person the same as Mephibosheth who is a cripple. So immediately, as I was reading the chapter, the first thing that I noticed that Ziba called Mephibosheth the cripple. Not, not anything else, but Mephibosheth the cripple. And uh, David proceeds to show kindness. He 
uh, he he calls Nepibosheth and he gives him salts to the possessions and tells him he can take his land. And then David extends even more even more kindness by saying that you will always eat at my table. So David not only extended him with abundance of goodness, but he also said, "You will sit at me and with me at my table." And then Mephibosheth uh, says in the next next work, "What is your servant that? What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me?" And then there's this verse that I really love. It's verse thirteen. It says, "And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was a cripple in both feet." I absolutely love this that word because regardless of him being a cripple or not, God's place for Mephibosheth was at the at the feet of uh, the king's table. And I always just I just picture it like when uh, when David is having dinner or lunch or breakfast, Mephibosheth is always at the table. There's a seat reserved for Mephibosheth at the table. He could be limping to the table, but he has a seat at the table regardless of what. And I absolutely love that. Just that image that there will be kings and royals at the seat, but regardless of his thickness, he was placed in that in that position because God placed him there. So I believe that regardless of whatever chapter the people call us, if God has placed, if God has a plan for the, for us, regardless of what, it's going to come into fruition no matter what. The enemy cannot stop it. Our sickness cannot stop it. People's words cannot stop it because God's plan is for us to have a seat at the table. And I feel like it's a larger picture as well. So I really like the part where David wanted to have a seat with him, have like have food with him every day because it was not enough for David that he gave him the abundance of wealth. That was not that he wanted to dine with him. And when you think about dining, you think like you want to have an intimate relationship with with that person all like all the time. So dining with him every day—that's an intimate relationship every day. And I feel like it's a larger picture as well. Like God is calling us to His table, and He wants to dine with us. And maybe, and that's why maybe we, even though we go through sickness, He's not just going to give us abundance of wealth and everything and leave us there. But He wants to dine with us every day, and He invites us to His table, and He wants, and He wants an intimate relationship with Him. And when I think about, when I look back, if I received my healing, or if I got that surgery and was completely well, I wonder where my, where my relationship with Christ is. But I get to have this intimate relationship with my father because of the sickness that I have, and yeah, that and and I always I always say my sickness is a blessing in disguise. That's my favorite thing to say. Like my my sickness is my blessing in disguise because I've seen the beauty of God in a completely different way. Wow, Tejas, yeah, that was actually so beautiful. Um, when you were speaking, actually, I was reminded of just like Hannah said a while back. I was reminded of my favorite verse. I remember there was this one time that if you go back to that page in my Bible, you will see like the page has is stained with tears. There are just a few pages in my Bible that stained with tears because those are the pages that I have actually gone back to and held on to God's promises. But this is one verse that I hold on to, and that is um, from Isaiah chapter forty-one, verse fifteen. I think it says. Um, let me just read the whole thing. It's from fourteen to sixteen. It says, "Do you feel like a lowly worm, Jacob? Don't be afraid." Feel like a fragile insect, Israel. I'll help you. I, God, want to reassure you: the God who buys you back, the Holy of Israel. I'm transforming you from worm to harrow, from insect to iron. As a sharp-toothed harrow, you'll smooth out the mountains, turn those tough old hills to loamy soil. 
You'll open the rough ground to the weather, to the blast of sun and wind and rain, but you'll be confident and exuberant, expansive in the holy of Israel. My favorite line in that is, I'm transforming you from worm to harrow, from insect to iron. And I'm just like, how is that even possible? How can a worm be a harrow? I don't know if you guys know what a harrow is, but if you Google it, you'll be like, that's impossible. And from insect to iron. And it's interesting because I actually read a devotional just two days before. Um, one of my favorite devotionals is Streams in the Desert. If you're looking for one, you should definitely buy that devotional. Um, I'll just read what it said about this online. It starts with, I will make you into threshing sledge, new and sharp, that's from the NIV version. But it goes on to say that a bar of steel was worth about $5. When it was forged into horseshoes, it was worth $10. When made into needles, its value was $350. When used to make small pocket knife blades, its worth was $32,000. When made into springs for watches, its value increased to $250,000. What a pounding the steel bar had to endure to be worth this much. But the more it was shaped, hammered, put to the fire, beaten, pounded and polished, the greater its values. And then it goes on to say, may we use this analogy as a reminder to be still, silent and long suffering. For it is those who suffer the most, who yield the most. And it is through pain that God gets the most out of us for his glory and for the blessing of others. And I just feel like your story, Tejas, I know, I don't, I don't know what you had to endure, but I know that the the amount of pain that you had to endure would become a blessing for other people. The tears that you had to cry would be a blessing um, for for others. That it is those who suffer the most that yield the most. And I feel that your fruit is sweet because of the suffering you had to endure and you still endure through it. And uh, when I look at you, I remember this verse in Habakkuk 3, 17 to 18, it says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I think when people see you, they just, uh, they see joy and the fact that you can still praise God. And that, like you said, your scars are your testimony. And I just, I just find so much of encouragement when I look at you and you inspire me to believe even in the midst when the fig tree does not bud or there are no sheep in the pen. Yeah, very true, Neva. I love that. I love everything you guys are saying. They just, uh, especially what you said from Samuel, I've never seen it in that perspective and I just love the perspective that you saw it from. I mean, it's so true, right? I mean, despite being lame every day, he had a seat at the king's table. And also just today I read this verse actually where it says, you will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. That is how God sees it. The way God sees us is like that. He sees us as royalty. You know, that's who we are. So many times we don't see that. But yeah, Tejas, I love every part of your story. All of it, everything is just so beautiful. Um, so yeah, Tejas, as your friend, like I know that, you know, being healed has always been a dream that's been in your heart. Like that was something that you've always dreamt that, you know, you wanted to be healed. That, that was a dream in your heart, but it's not happened yet. Uh, so Tejas, we asked this question to all our guests that come in this season, but you know, what would you want to speak over somebody who's walking through that season of, you know, dreams unfulfilled, just pain in their story at this at this moment where they're in this place of hopelessness and 
Um, yeah, what word of encouragement would you want to leave with somebody like that? Yeah, Hannah, uh, one of the things when I was younger and I used to go to sleep, <laughs> I always used to envision myself uh, waking up with a healed body. Like everyone uh, dreams about being something when they grown up, like an engineer or a doctor or whatever, but all I wanted was a healed body. That's all I wanted. And which has still not uh, happened yet. But uh, I love Nick Witch's story. Uh, for those that do not know, he's a man who doesn't have limbs. And his story has inspired me in so many ways. But uh, there's this one line that he always tells that uh, he has a pair of shoes in his closet so that when God heals them, not if, but when God heals them, he will have a shoe to go back on. And that's the faith that he has. That's the faith that I aspire for. A faith where when God heals me, uh, I am ready for it. Like it actually happens. And I, and I want to be in a place where I lack faith. Uh, and I'm I'm like jaded and I do not believe in that God can heal. But I always want to be in a place where I'm always looking forward for the miracle. And that's what I want to encourage people with, where that God can that God can do many beautiful things in your life. And the story is still not over. There are greater things yet to come. And we can always look forward to that. God always is the best story writer. Like Neva always says that I love that like Neva always says that. God is the best author and he writes the most beautiful stories. And yeah, I never want to be in a place where I uh, lack faith. So I would just say, keep the faith, consistently go on to the word of God and ask God to speak to you. He's a God who hears every little murmur, every tear that you cry, every tear that you shed, not one of them is wasted. And he sees them and he's working something beautiful. And that's because he's a good, good father and he's got plenty uh, abundance in his hands and he is he will pour out immeasurably for the children that he loves so yeah just hold on to god he's going to bring every dream that you have into fruition wow they just thank you so much for joining us i just uh, just wanted to leave you with just this i thought that i had like and the other day I was just sitting and then I just realized that what I see right now, what I see myself as is not what I will be in the future, because there is something beautiful coming and that, that we should live with an expectation for a glorious future and that God is preparing something for us and live with that expectation with joy, just like Tejas is walking through her days with the the joy of God. So we want to thank you, Tejas, for joining us and for speaking hope to our listeners and even encouraging the both of us, Hannah and I, to just live with that hope. So thank you for coming. We're so glad you came. Thank you guys for having me. It's always fun joining you guys. Hey Dreamer, thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode blessed you. And if it did, we would love to hear from you. You can follow us on Instagram at Here Comes the Dreamer Podcast. Make sure you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. While you're there, we would love for you to rate and review our podcast because this helps us reach more people. We cannot wait to see you on our next episode.